Welcome to Gagliardi's Got Real Estate podcast, hosted by myself, Gerald Sabri, and Rocky Gagliardi. We look forward to bringing you something fresh, something new the Golden Valley hasn't seen before. More informative information. We've got special guests, hot topics. Make sure you follow on your preferred podcast platform, GSRE Socials. We hope you enjoy this episode. G'day guys, it's Rocky here from Gagliardi Scott Real Estate. Um, today we are fortunate enough to have two wonderful guests in David McKenzie and Chris Crouch from Optium Valuations and we're going to talk everything about valuations or as much as we can to cover a lot of topics and we might zone in on a few uh, main topics for the day. So before we get started in our chat, I'd like to introduce Dave McKenzie and if you can let us know a bit about yourself and your business, David, and introduce uh, your history, experience. Yeah, thanks for having us, Rocky. So, um, yeah, David McKenzie, as you said, um, Optian Property Group, Optian Valuers. Um, our business has been going for 50 years in the Goldman Valley, started over in Cobra. Um, I've been valuing in the area for 33, 34 years now. And our total staff, we've got about sort of 60, 65 people across northern Victoria in a few different offices, um, Albury, Wangaratta, Benalla, Shepparton, for argument's sake. And we provide valuation advice to banks, uh, to investors, to government departments, um, to all sorts of uh, institutions and organisations that need to report on their property assets as well. Um, Compulsory acquisition work, litigation work, the full gamut of sort of property advice across all property classes, basically. Quality. Mm. Chris, Chris Crouch. Yeah, Chris how long Crouch. you been in it for, mate? Um, I've been in since '06, so how long is that? About nearly about 17 years. Yes. Um, but based here, I've been here in Shepparton for just over 10 years. So, um, yeah, yeah, beautiful. So, so where were you before that? Where did you? Uh, originally from Mount Gambier in oh, South Australia. Wow. Yeah, so you're, so. A, you're a South Australian boy. I am. Does yes, that explain originally. why you're so harsh on a cricket field in the middle of pitch, Chris, <laughs> when you're sledge in the middle? Or yeah, there's something about the uh, SA Vic rivalry there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've worked out, it out after all these years. I understood why you're so harsh on me. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a crow's man. <laughs> He's not uh, a crow's Who do you follow? Uh, North Melbourne supporter. Ah, oh, geez, that's even worse. I've <laughs> got a few North Melbourne supporters. Oh, well. So, how'd you, did, so you did valuing in, in South Australia. Much of a yeah. difference in South Australia? I, I didn't know that. So, is it? Much difference in um, South Australia compared to Victoria? Oh, not, not a hell of a lot. Similar yeah. sort of title systems and, and stuff like that. There's a few little sort of minor differences, I suppose. A few adjustments I made to come out when I came over yeah. here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I hadn't been in the game for very long at that stage. So, um, yeah, it probably didn't take too much to sort of change and, yeah. and pick up this... How we do it here, I suppose. So, yeah. So, and, and um, just to, on that, yeah. Crouchy manages all our residential valuations. So he yeah. manages the team that does all the residential work basically across yeah. all our area of northern Victoria, southern New South yeah, Wales, wow. where we work. Yeah. I was going to ask you what you specialise. So residential is your main yeah. forte, yeah, which is forte good. So how, how do you find that with um, what's happening in the last two or three years with the residential landscape? It's been extremely challenging, yeah. especially when it um, you know, started COVID. We had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. All the feedback was that the market would drop 10 to 20 yep. percent um essentially it turned out to be totally opposite to that yeah. so uh, it was pretty challenging to sort of yeah pick up where the market was at and not yep. you know you've sort of generally do your valuations based totally on facts and previous sales but the market was moving so quickly you just you had to readjust sort of how you approached it so yeah i think we found the same thing we we, yep. we were almost two months behind every time we put a Yep. Evaluation of property, like in the end, we had to sort of change our tact and go, well, it had to be two, two months in advance about where we were at. Because yep. by the time you know the, the property gets on the market, we almost lost the 
was yeah. going so quick, wasn't it? Yeah. What, one of the challenges we have and one of the tensions often between valuers and banks and clients and, and agents, yeah. indeed, when you've, yeah. got, you've landed a sale and it's a record price, yes. the market's strong, and we have to rely on settled sales because when a valuer signs off on a valuation, yes. there's all sorts of legal obligations that go with that. People rely on it, banks rely mm. on it, all sorts of things, and it's a legal document different to an agent's opinion. Correct. So we've got to rely on things that are settled. And quite often there's a 30, 60, 90 day settlement period. And when the market was racing along like it was over the last couple of years, yeah. we would be bringing agents on a regular basis and say, you've sold this place, it's a record yes. price. We reckon it stacks up okay. I can see if this sales falls over, you'll probably get the same price again. Yes. But guess what? We can't support it. There is nothing we can do to yeah. get anywhere near that price, knowing that yes. you know it's probably okay. <coughs> and that's the different sort of perspective between a valuation and a valuer's view of the world Correct. and what an agent can do. Yeah. 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 So So how did you mm. explain that to the bank? So explain to listeners out there, David, it was when, you know, you really got to be factual, which is why it's a legal document. But how do you justify it to a bank when a bank's do they obviously just get over it in the sense of the, 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 the they well, sort of read the market, obviously. The, the, the banks are funny beasts. Yeah. You know, there are lot, people with different roles in the banks. Yes. So effectively, the, the people in the branches are usually effectively salesmen. They're credit salespeople. Mm. They want to get money out the door. So yes. people always say, oh, the banks are telling you to be conservative. You know, yes. you're the bank value. We yeah. know how this rolls. But in fact, the bank manager normally wants the deal to get over the line. Yes. He wants to get the money out the door. It helps their budget. Yes. And they're as disappointed as anyone when yes. we actually knock back a sale or say we can't get to that purchase price or we can't support this deal. Yeah. But in That's fact, there are other people in the bank yeah. in the credit risk area who are very careful about banks' exposure to risky assets, to uh, lending heavily in peak market conditions, all those sorts yeah. of things. They're the one with the bigger risk view and they're the ones that ring us up and say, what are you doing? Are you crazy signing off on all these record prices? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. So we're getting different messages from yeah. different parts of the banks every week, basically. You get smashed from agents, you get smashed from <laughs> banks. Agents as well. <laughs> what That's do you right. mean? Agents, <laughs> agents don't like it when we can't support a price. No. No, but what no. we have to do is communicate really clearly yes. and effectively yeah. and say, look, we've, we've got a job to do. This is why we're doing it. Talk it through. Is there anything we've missed? Is there anything we haven't understood yeah. about this? Anything else that can help us maybe get it over the line? Sometimes there is. Sometimes, sometimes there's there just not. And particularly getting a value to sign off on a record price is always a challenge. Almost by definition, a value can't support a record price. Yeah. Mm. So the last few years, Crouchy, Yes. A lot of record prices? A lot of record prices, <laughs> yes. Absolute challenge. Yeah. yeah. So, like David said, like, especially early days, like, by the time a property settles, the market's well and truly moved on, like, had moved on yeah. in that period of time. So, you had to, like, we had a lot of conversations with, with agents like yeah. yourselves just to work out what's around, like, like David had mentioned. Yeah. Um, anything you've got in the pipeline that's only you've just recently sold in that week. So basically a week was enough yep. to tell us where the market was at. So you'd have to always put in your three settled sales. That's a requirement. Yep. Um, and then add in some of those agents' advice sales is what we'd, yeah. we'd call it and okay. analyse those to, to to get as close to the to the uh, purchase price as we could if, you know, if we don't, didn't support it. But... Add in a few clauses into our reports as oh, well to, to try yourself, and uh, yeah. to back up and explain this is where the market's at, even yeah. though the settled sales might not support the value. You know, we've got these most recent sales that, that probably do, so yeah. to get it over the line that so, way. So how does that do- document explain the difference of the valuation and then also valuation document if that just needs to be stood up in court? So if you had to go to court 
is every document you do legally binding regardless? So, so there's no specific... It absolutely yep. is. Yeah, Look, yeah. it depends. We do uh, work for different clients. Yeah, correct. But, and each of them has a different set of legal obligations. Their reason that, that they're asking us for an opinion of value is because they want to rely on it. They want to lend money based on that. They want to sue someone based on that. They want to buy a property based on that. They want to compulsorily acquire yes. a bit of that property to build a highway based on that. Yeah. All these things are contested and... Ultimately, if you're found to have made a mistake, if something goes wrong and you've done a valuation on a property, the bank lends money on it, the person can't pay the mortgage, the bank sells the property and we valued it for a million dollars, they sell it six months later for 650000 yeah. Guess who they're coming to see yeah. for the difference and say, we would not have done that deal if you hadn't have told yes. us the place was worth a million. We're suing you for the you know three hundred and fifty thousand dollar difference, and you then have to go through this process of defending your valuation. Um, it can end up in the county court or the supreme court or the federal court, yep. depending on yep. where it is and what you've done and how much money is involved. And it's a horrible process. You can imagine. So um, look, luckily, you know, in our our business is fifty years old. We've had um, on, on count on one hand the number of um, negligence lawsuits we've had to defend. Um, but it's a fact of life that we do thousands of valuations a year um, and not everyone is perfect, unfortunately. No, you know, human, we do, we? do the best we can. Yeah. Um, so every one of those has got a lot riding on, on yeah. it for us. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting that because that's that's one taken, you know, that's good to explain to the listeners because you've got a lot to hang on as well. I mean, you get pressures not just from an agent but also pressure from vendors and buyers mm. and so forth. So you've got to protect yourself. Mm. But I'm guessing also that... Your valuation is used as well in court, not for your purpose to protect yourself, but for other court battles and, and so forth as well. Is that right? Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Look, we do work for uh, matrimonial, you know, family law stuff when people yep. are looking for the value of the assets to divide an asset pool yep. in a marriage separation or something like that. Um, there is property litigation all the time for all sorts of things you think yeah. about. And the yeah. other thing is rental determinations yes. as well, where a tenant and a landlord are in serious dispute. Yep. The valuer will come in basically as an umpire in that situation. And normally you're saying yes or no, so you're going to please someone and not please yes. the other one in that situation. That is an area where there's a lot of litigation around people claiming that valuers' opinions have been negligent. Yes. Because sometimes on big city buildings, you might be talking about rents of a couple of, you know, yeah. multi-millions of dollars a year just yes. in rent. Yeah. So there's a lot yeah, swinging yeah. on this. And if someone doesn't like the valuer's opinion, guess what? Yep. They sue them. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, yeah. the, the, our, our documents are used in court for a wide range of purposes by all sorts of parties. Yeah. That's why we sort of... Um, we don't take a conservative approach in trying to write the, the value down because, in fact, valuers can be sued for being too conservative. Yes, yes. That doesn't the suit... Way. We've got to try and get it as correct right. as we can, yeah. but we've got to justify it as well as we can. That's the, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Amazing, isn't it? So when you do the... I mean, it's, it's OK to have your valuation done and, and so forth, but what about other things that the banks might want to ask for or whoever's getting evaluation, like like recently we've had floods, right? So, yep. you know, has a flood gone through the property? How much does that impact? Or is it damaged? You're not a builder, right? You're not mm. You're not an engineer, but yep. you obviously trained eyes to a certain degree. Do you have to make comments on when you do evaluation on the house and, and so forth? And Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, that's our, the current or most recent challenge we've had yep. with the floods. So, yep. um, yeah, look, there's probably... Some areas around here, but particularly Rochi, which got hit really hard. So there's a lot of stuff that we've got to consider there. There's because the majority of the houses there actually did get hit by the floods. So um, yeah, obviously we're not experts at that 
at building yep. sort of stuff, those types of things. So we're relying on expert reports yep. to come up with a value. So yeah, um, yeah, that's what a part of what we're required to uh, to access, I suppose, to to you know to come up with the best yeah. best result. Yeah, um, you can't always yeah. tell as a layman and as a value. Uh-huh. Even though we've been trained, yeah. we've done a couple of subjects in building techniques and things like yeah. that, so we know more than the man in the street. Yes. But we're not builders and no. we're not architects. Yeah. So, we, we um, again, the, the credit risk people in the banks effectively made up the rules for these flood-affected properties, that we're not doing valuations of something where the floor's been wet unless we've got a builder's report, an insurance assessment and, and a mould report to show mm. that because mould is a big deal in yeah. these places as yeah. well, but all that's been dealt with. Yep. We know exactly what we're looking at we know whether the building's structurally sound or not we can then make a fully but formed sort of opinion of value so we actually had to come up with some tiering in our office you know yeah. did, did the land get wet but the house was okay well that we can go ahead and do a valuation there's a market for that you know did the, the yeah, did the well, subfloor yeah. get wet with it you know did the, yes. the stumps and the subfloor get wet did water get inside the house yeah, yeah. and if water got inside the house the rule was basically we can't do a valuation of that until you can provide us with these other Expert reports. reports that we can take into account in our advice. Yeah, mm. that's good, isn't it? Mm. So if you go for it, say I've just sold a house, bank needs evaluation, you ring me up, you go through, you see a pergola that might not be right or you see a big crack in a wall or something like that. Does, does that sort of come into play? Do you make the banks aware of that as well? Or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, as far as a pergola goes, like, again, we're a little bit limited to yeah. – we're not experts like, yeah, in that stuff, example, however. Yeah. yeah, your experience does sort of expose you to certain yeah. – I guess levels of quality, like something that you think, yep, that should be there, that's well built, as, as opposed to something that's not. Uh, it's, yeah, I guess in that way, it's a little bit of an like experience or opinion based as to whether you think that might be yeah. legal or not. So, yeah. but yeah, absolutely, it's something we report yeah. and, and make an assumption either way yeah. um, and advise the bank of that, and then they can make their own inquiries. Um, yeah, and cracking in the walls. Yeah, another thing that we've got to observe, again, on, on our own experiences as to how serious that might be, but really make the bank alert. Yep, there's some cracking in the walls. That could be yeah. a bit of movement. It might just be a bit of superficial damage yep. and make our assumptions based on that. Recommend that they cite a, a building inspection report or, yeah. or similar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we you know open it to review if they... Want to look at it? Provide that. Yeah. It's important we do that a fair bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, when a bank significant what they think is a significant fault or a defect yeah. on whatever sort of property it is, um, just to keep the wheels moving, we'll often say, look, the, the value was $800,000, but we noticed these problems. There yeah. might be termites. We think we saw yeah. some live yeah, termite yeah. damage there. We saw some cracking and we're worried it might be structural. We'll say the value is 800000 subject to the bank citing a builder's report saying that that's not structural or subject to a satisfactory pest inspection or subject yes. to some other specialist advice. Yeah. You know, So yeah. we're sort of putting a red flag up there for the bank and saying the value is OK, subject to actually you satisfying yourself out. on a couple of those things. So yeah. we're, yeah, it's valued we're at sort of eyes and ears for the risk section of the bank. Yeah. And when we do things like that again... Typically, yeah. the uh, the sales people in the bank don't love it, but the credit risk people demand we do it. So, That's right. <laughs> and even, like even if we know, like there's pretty clear significant damage here, we've got to make an allowance, mm-hmm. um, you know, based on our experience again, yeah. to say right, it might cost twenty thousand dollars to restump this house and yes. fix this damage, mm-hmm. and then also, you know, this is our 
assumption. Um, send it off to the bank and say, you know, if you want to get your own quotes and stuff like that, we can review that if it's significantly different mm. to what we've assumed. Yeah. So when you say that, so you say you value your property at 800 and it says $30,000 worth of stumping. Yeah. Is that including the stumping or do you just say 830 but deduct or you just say, it says 830, deduct your... But it's that net it's result. As, as is. Net result. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. important for the listeners to know that because, yeah. you know, we have, the, the, to be honest, a lot of agents won't go in when we do give our advice and if you're your agent worth your salt, you try to give the best advice possible because a lot of agents are in there trying to win a listing. Yeah. And... They're not. They're trying to give them as ne least negative comments as they possibly can, which I think is the wrong way of doing it. You're trying to do the right thing at the start. Mm -hmm. The last people we do think about is the value. It's only when it's tough and tight in the, in the market. We do explain the fact that a builder might see a, a pergola that might not be a permit or you know cracking mm -hmm. and that sort yeah. of stuff. But we don't often sort of bring up. Oh, when it comes time to valuation, that you know you're the eyes and ears for the bank. Yes. You know yeah. you're walking through. You know you're gonna. It's actually them. You're walking through them on their behalf. It's actually them as, as yep. extension. That's right. A lot of the people don't realise that when they're out there. So they're doing yeah. it. The last thing they think about, you know, if it's a first home buyer going in, a limited amount of deposit, yes. high risk, and the bank's just looking for an excuse like the credit people, looking yeah. for an excuse not to prove it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. to the salesman and say, I want to prove it. Yeah. So I think that's important for the listeners to, yeah. to know that, that, yep. that, that that's, that's as a lot of layer. Um, an, an interesting it. way to think about it is, the valuation is the bank's property. So the vendor will say, can we get a copy of the valuation? Or the buyer who's, yes. who's going We've for had the that home will say, yeah. can we get a copy of the valuation? And we say, well, the bank's asked us to do it. The bank's paying for it. Yeah. They can give you a copy if they like, but yeah. we can't. You know, yeah, yeah. this isn't about you and me. This is about us and the bank. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we're giving the bank advice. It's actually got, you know, <laughs> so, you know, it's, oh, that, that changes the sort of yeah. people thinking, oh, you're not here f for me at all. You're here for the bank. You're, yes. you're here to help the bank out, not us. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and, that, and a vendor's got to realise that too because it's yeah. you're there on behalf of the buyer mm -hmm. and their protection, not them, in yeah. themselves yeah. as well. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So it works. There's that many different layers and emotions involved in it, especially in residential property. Yeah, yeah. touching back on your on your commercial side of things, that's a bit different. It's more of a business sort of a aspect. Allude mm. a bit more onto that, Dave, before when you were mentioning how the role of a value applies. I get this all the time. And, uh, nine times out of ten, especially around here, they rely on what the agent sort of says, yep. Look, you know, what the renewal's coming up, if you think it's worth this rate per square metre, this and that. But there is times when, you know, you've got um, a, a bit of a fight going mm -hmm. on that, mm -hmm. that the tenant doesn't really want to move the location but not really going to go to what the landlord's expectations are going to be. Nine times out of ten, there's a clause in the contract that says, you know, revert to a valuer. Yep. You know. So that, that gets paid. So so explain to the listeners that, you know, if you're a tenant out there or a landlord, vice versa, and you are having a stalemate, I suppose, David, you can explain that role as yeah. far as, it, you know, to engage you, your office to, right. to go and do it for them. You absolutely. Know? So you're absolutely right. Nearly every lease, every properly drawn lease has got this dispute mm. resolution mechanism in it, and it's called a determination. Mm. And... Um, the, the parties, the, the lessor and the lessee, the tenant and the landlord, can agree to a point of valuer um, who can go and do an assessment of the market rent. But sometimes they can't even agree on what value to a point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and say, right. oh, I don't want to get him, I don't want to get him. You know, we've yes. got prior dealings with them. Um, so, in fact, the, the, the circuit breaker for that is the leases will say the president of the property institute or the president of the REIV, yes. all the small business.
business commissioner will appoint a valuer. Yes. So to be appointed as a valuer for a determination under those circumstances, you've got to have done specific training, you've got to have so many years' experience and you've got to be already approved for that sort of work by these bodies effectively. So then you get an appointment either from the tenant and the landlord or the small business commissioner or whoever mm. it may be. We then have to read all the lease documentation, all the variations, all the assignments, make sure that we because it's the rent under the lease and leases can have strange terms and conditions yes. in them as you know. Yes. So we might all have a good idea that the rent on this building should be 300 bucks a square metre, but who's paying the outgoings? Yes. Were the rent-free periods? Are there incentives yes. in the market? Are the waivers there? Are there all sorts of things that make the, the, this deal? That so deal. it's not just the premises, it's the premises in the context of the lease because yes. the tenant wants to take up a new term, but he doesn't want to pay the rent the landlord's yeah. asking, and the landlord doesn't want to discount the rent. So it's all those things, and it's quite a legal process again, um, but there's a very clear steps about what we've got to do. We can't deal with one party or the other one at any point of time. Any correspondence has got to go to everybody mm. at every point of time. People can make submissions. The tenant and the landlord can write us the letters. It's more and of say, depth, isn't it? Yep, yeah. And, and here's, here's why I think it's worth 400 bucks a square metre. Here's yeah. why I think it's worth $200 a square metre. You read all that stuff. You go and do your own work and your research and your analysis. You write a report and you send it out to both parties on the same day at the same time. And that's usually the end of the process. But quite often, um, as oh, we wait, said... Someone's going to be unhappy. Someone's yeah. going to be unhappy. <laughs> and, and look, the, the, mm. the reason for that, being on the sales end of it, is um, a tenant's going to be unhappy because they don't want to leave. Mm. They're going to uplift everything and spend a lot of fortune to move somewhere to get a cheaper rent. They've got that goodwill from that premises, mm. you mm. know, but if, if it comes back at the wrong side, they're going to pay all that extra, you know, because it's determined by that. Yes. At the same time, the landlord's not going to be happy because not only does do they get less rent if it that turns detrimental to them, but also affects the net value of their equity of the property because the rent, sort of, especially if it's an investment asset. So that's why you know if you're out there listening, you've got a commercial property or you're renting one, it's important, really important that you can, yes, you can ask the agent's opinion. We you know nine times out of ten we're pretty right. Yeah. And look, I'll, I'll no secret, I, I'll ring if I'm doing something. I'll ring you know, valuer's opinion and sort of see so I'm right myself. But but like our documents aren't legally binding yours we're, are we're often checking in with each yeah. other you know on a commercial agents and commercial valuers talk to each other a lot yes um and we're all very mindful of you know what we can and can't share because quite often we're holding yes. quite sensitive and commercial and um uh, commercial and confidence information and i'll ring rocky or rocky will ring me and and i'll say look I, I just can't tell you, you know, yeah, I, I know yeah, about this deal or I know it. that, but yeah. I'm sorry, you're going to have to respect the fact I can't yeah, disclose that correct. to you. So it's not an open channel or anything like that. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's always, they always work out most of the time through goodwill and just negotiation yes. and it all happens quite smoothly. Yep. But when the wheels fall off and you're in serious dispute, it takes a bit of time and it's quite an expensive exercise as well. Yes, and there's a lot of case law and there's a lot of legislation. Judges have a lot to say on litigation around rental disputes and yes. rental determinations. And there's the Retail Leases Act, which we have to do it in accordance with. So we're looking at the building, we're looking at the lease, we're reading the legislation, and we're keeping up to date with the current court cases on what judges have yeah. said about how to interpret all this stuff. And that's the sort of that's yeah. the context that we yeah. actually do our final advice in. Yeah, mm. and that's, that's why it's important, I suppose, you know, you must laugh when you say before when you mentioned that um, oh, you've done a job for someone and they don't really like you, they don't want to pick you, they'll get someone else. But you've really got no choice but to do what you do doing objectively. You, 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 you're going to have more risk than anyone else going around. So, <laughs> Crouchy, explain to me. Um, I get this all the time. I go to a, I go to a house and value it. 
And then the, the landlord, well, sorry, the owner will pull out uh, the, the CIV, the, the rates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Explain the difference. <laughs> yes. uh, my property's worth more than this, but this property's worth this. This is what my rates say it's worth. And I go, yes, yes, that you're right, but look, let's let's get serious about this. And so explain, um, and I understand that you, over the years, I don't know if you still do it, but your office has a lot of, to do with the council rates and valuations. Mm-hmm. You know, so explain that process, why, how council determines obviously yep. the rate valuation, the capital improved and also the land value um, and how that's determined and and uh, compared to, say, a normal sale process, like when we go and value a property and yep. why they're all different, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, start, I've never done a rating and taxing valuation yeah. before, but I basically understand the process. But, um, yeah, so essentially they will use similar data yeah. but, and input sort of different... Um, pieces of data into the like an automated valuation model and they'll probably drive around I think once a year to, to have a look just from the roadside yep. and then yeah enter that data into the into what, what their systems and work out sort of roughly where it where it fits in um, so the yeah, I guess the SV the site value is is so estimated land value. How much time is involved in that? Like you know, you go past a home and you look at one home. Does it you look at it that closely in the sense there might be some damage or roughness um, on that? Or you just bang. I don't think so. No, okay. so that, that's, what, that's my point. I can't yeah. get into that level of detail. Yeah, that's like, my point. Yeah, you know, like our office on our private side of things, as we say, we do probably you know two or three thousand yeah. valuations a year. They're doing hundreds of thousands of valuations a year. They value every property in yes, every council yeah. every year That's now. That's my point. They yeah. used to do it every few years. So in fact, it's all it's all annually generated. now. I thought it was yeah, every couple of years. There you it, go. It's um it's um all, all computer generated, and it's a big data exercise basically. That's massive, yeah. So they've got all the sales, they've got all the land areas, all the building areas, but they don't. Um, and we get paid hundreds or well, sometimes thousands of dollars to do a valuation. Yeah. They get paid tens of dollars to do a valuation for each of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, five or six dollars a house sort of yeah. thing. So they're doing mass valuation exercises and they can't pick up the particular nuances, positives or, or weaknesses of a property. Yeah. It's a big data smoothing sort of exercise like yeah. Crouchy said mm-hmm. and it's just, it's not a bad starting point. And the, yep. the main thing with council valuations is to make sure that they're consistent, you know. So if everyone sort of, you know, they're, yeah, they're yeah. trying to make sure the reason that council get valuation done is to apportion the rates that the council need to run the – that's what it's for. So it's, you know, it, it's a and different that's, exercise altogether. And that's the battle because yeah. you're not walking inside the house. You're not yeah. seeing it. You, there's mm. nothing – your house can – you don't know if it's a 50-square home compared to a 20-square home. You're not going to go and look at all the plans in the council and any of that. So, you know, just, just to say you talk to your client every day, it gives you an idea. But leading on yeah. to that, um, yeah. especially in the commercial world, um, oh, no, even mm. residential, I suppose, but um, the valuations when the council does, you know, do the valuations and people are challenging them for the rates because obviously the cost of living and the, the rates mm. are going up, especially for tenants that are outgoings are going up, mm. they're part of their, their outgoings and their payment. Normally there's a, there's a small window, I think, in, in the council that you can uh, fight it, is that right, or challenge it? Yeah, you can object. Um, Ob- after you receive a new rates notice, you've yep. got two months to lodge an objection. Yeah. And then a valuer will get in touch with you and have a discussion. If it raises serious issues, they'll quite often come out and have a look at the property yep. at that point. Yes. <laughs> and you say, there's all this stuff you don't know. You know, it flooded, it's yes. you know, structurally unsound, yes. it's got termites, goodness knows what it yes. might be. Um 
whatever the case might be, uh, they'll come out and have a look and then they'll make a decision. Now, if you don't like that, you can then appeal it to a, through a court process. Yes. But that initial sort of objection period is that you've, you've got 60 days after you get in your rate notice to have a look at it so and see whether you're happy with it. That's important to know. 60 days after you get your rate notice because... I hear a lot, oh, you know, challenge it, but yeah, the 60-day notice is gone. Mm. The council don't want to hear about it. Mm. So, you know, if you're out there and you're listening, you can challenge your valuations um, on your CIV, especially with the cost of living and the rates, and you know, I think they've raised it again. They've capped it at 3.5%, I think, the council this year again. But yes. you can challenge it because, like you said, you're not going to know what each specific property is. And nine times out of ten, you will get a phone call from a valuer mm. and you mm. talk about the phone, you go, yeah, I can see what you're saying. You don't really don't need to get yeah. inside and you just you give yes. advice to the council, is that right? And then you normally yes. take your advice and it's, yep. it's done and dusted. So council won't like me saying this, but don't be scared of challenge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it could come back more, but I don't think it can. But it, um... it, It's really interesting. Everyone thinks, and it's always been the case, people object to the valuations because they're too high. Yeah, yeah, it's but exactly right. you would be um, in the number that you know about land development, yes. Rocky, there's a, a new tax coming in Victoria called the Windfall Gains Tax. Yes. And the state government is going to take 50% of the value uplift when a property is rezoned now. And they're going to base that, the, the, the thinking is, on the council rates, mm. the year to year, so that as the council rates... Uh, council rating valuations are updated. The property's rezoned, yes. and then and they'll be. So we're actually getting objections from a lot of people who own future development land now. Um, our LG side of our business, yes. they're receiving these valuation objections, saying your valuation's not high enough yes. <laughs> because they they're happy to they pay. Want it, but they want that first benchmark quite yes. high. So when it's rezoned. They're only paying fifty percent of that, not fifty percent of the. <laughs> so, mm. oh, yeah. Yeah, and, so and, and yeah, look, that's yeah. that's interesting because. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I didn't know how that was determined. If they did their own valuer, or they actually get it by oh, has that been determined now by it's the windfall be, tax? Yeah, it's going to be based yeah. on the on the land. So the just valuations. Yeah, so elaborate that because there's a lot of landowners that don't know or don't get their head around it. So how's the windfall tax going to work, David? Like with with land development or so it applies. It's called a windfall gains tax. So yeah. that, that, as the name implies, yes. the state government think we're doing all the heavy lifting on the planning work, the strategic planning, all the infrastructure, the roads and the schools and stuff. Yes. And all of a sudden, one day you've got this paddock and it's zoned farming, then it gets rezoned general residential, it turns it from you know, $50,000 a hectare country into $500,000 a hectare country. Yes. We want a bit of that. You know, yeah, yeah. It's not, they think, yeah, it's yeah. not fair that someone just has such a big win like that. Yeah. So they're now going to take 50% of that value uplift and it's going to be reflected in the benchmarks between the council valuations. Yeah. So if you've got a property now and it's already zoned residential, whether it's um, then you're not going to be, you'll have escaped it basically. Yes. But if you've got farmland or land that's in a development corridor or a precinct structure plan area, future residential land, mm. um, at some point of time you're going to be caught by this windfall gains tax once the property's rezoned. Mm. So it's really worth getting some good advice from your solicitor, yep. from your agent, maybe getting valuers involved um, to sort of make sure that you're stepping your way through this carefully because the other thing that happens with the windfall gains tax is you can't defer it forever. You've mm. got to pay it. You've one, got to pay one, it one way. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. There's so, a lot of farmers going to be caught out too. That's, that's um, the thing. And you probably do need to sort of study it a bit further because it's just... The layman person out there who doesn't they don't doesn't worry them because it doesn't affect them, but it, it will affect them because eventually that's going to be passed on to the buyer. Whether it's land's worth three hundred grand a block now, it's going to be probably worth three fifty or something like that. Yes. You know, because the developer's not going to either a develop or b not not going to take the cost, are they? They're going to pass it on, so it's going to affect everyone. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's interesting that with the. 
the council rates. So if you're, a, if you're, a, so when does that come into effect? We've got a certain it date. Just, comes yeah, to... it just started first of July this year. Yep. Um, so they'd been talking about it in the 12 yes. months that came out in the budget 12 or 18 months ago. Yeah. You might remember. Yes. Um, been a fair bit of uncertainty about how it's going to be yes. um, implemented. And that's still being worked through, to be honest. It's yeah. not exactly that they're making it up as they go, but the full detail is only just fully really starting to emerge. But it's from now, 1st of July this year, properties Massive. that are rezoned um, for re- and rezoned to industrial, rezoned to commercial. Yeah. No, where, where there's a value uplift as a result of a rezoning, the state government's going to be looking for half the value uplift. Mm. It's amazing. Which is a lot. It's it's a lot of money. <laughs> and and yeah, you, when, it's interesting what you said before about deferring it. How far can you? How long can you defer? Because they want you, and there's interest on payment on that. Is that, is that yes, right? Yeah. So, if a farmer's sitting there doing a dairy farm, it's changed from rural to residential. Hypothetically, that's you yeah. know, they've gone from five million to ten million <coughs> overnight. Mm, yeah, that's mm. two and a half million. They've got to come up with. That's right. Do they have to come up with it? Or when the property is sold, when the property they have sold. to pay it. Yeah. Um, when, and they can also pay it straight away upon the uplift if they want to. But Usually people don't have that cash no, flying around. Yeah. You know, they've been running their dairy farm, running their orchard yeah. for argument's sake, and yeah. all of a sudden it's worth a lot more. Yeah. That doesn't mean the money's in their pocket. So until they sell it, you know, they might not have that. Yeah. So the original owner at the time of the rezoning can defer it for a period of time, yeah. but there's interest accruing on that as yeah, well. Yes, that's what I was going to so say, the interest. Yeah. So the who, yeah, and then who pays that too? Is it the, the owner or the buyer? It, it's normally the owner, normally the vendor. Yeah, so, that's gonna, so. so if they're going to farm their farm for the next 20 years and there's a property that was rezoned, there's no mechanism to say... Keep it. No, they're going to pay interest at the end it, of that. It's, it's a big incentive. What makes it? It's an incentive to activate this land as well, which is yes. probably one of the things the government's trying to do is get land into the pipeline and not yes. have people sitting on land that's zoned, yes. but not moving towards development for long periods of time. Interesting battle that because council haven't been really proactive in trying to zone land really. Compared mm. to it's been a battle. So you've got a state government that's wanting this land out and you've got a local government that's sort of battling against it. Yeah. Look, I think think that's legitimate criticism to some extent. But the other thing is, um, and we're both involved in land development in different ways as well, What's happened in the last three in regional er- three years in regional areas? Like I've been doing this for nearly 35 years in country areas. Mm. There's never been a market like this. Correct. I and totally developers agree. were completely caught out. All of a sudden, they were selling stages out in advance, yes. and yep. the next stage sold in advance. Yes. And all of a sudden, they're running out of inventory. They haven't got any blocks yeah. to sell. And all of a sudden, the council thought, "Well, we thought we had five or six years supply zone. Guess what? We've got about 18 months left." Yes. You know, everyone got caught by this, yes. as Crouchy said before. Um, this remarkable spike in, in regional land values and regional land activity, everyone got caught out by that. So, you know, th- th- no one's to blame, but I think there's a unique set of circumstances. Yeah, and that's my point, and I we suppose. Need to, we yeah. do need to put more effort into that pipeline of land coming a- on. And uh, my argument was probably more about minimum compared to maximum. I think there's a maximum supply when it should be a minimum supply. Like, for example, mm. I think there's a 15-year yes. supply zone. Yes. As a maximum, it should be a minimum supply chain as a minimum, not a maximum. I think that would be a pretty <coughs> useful tweak. Yeah, yeah, if you tweak yeah. that a bit, it would be yeah. so much better. That will mm. that probably would eliminate a lot of the windfall tax. Not not blaming our councils, hypothetically. This is not just our council. I'm talking general this regional councils across. Like yeah, 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 yeah. You're absolutely So to right. clarify that, that, that's probably, you know, each obviously council has got certain different criteria, but a tweak like that would make it so much now, like you said, it's become an extraordinary set of circumstances mm. in the last few years. It's probably highlighted that fact that, hang on a minute, this probably 
probably should be implemented and, and mm. changed because now we've got councillors going to Melbourne or, or whatever their state minister is to, to push land through to get because they were all getting caught yes. out, you yeah. know. So that's right. So I, I suppose we'll finish off, and it's um, I'll get you both to sort of comment, um, Chris, your specialty in residential. Can you give me a bit of an update on what the state of the market is currently in the Shepparton or wider region, Golden Valley, Murray Legion? Yeah, so I'd, my observations in Shepherds, especially, it's, it's stayed pretty steady. So obviously we've had a, a hell of a lot of interest, interest rate rises, yes. which has slowed everything down, which is obviously what it's designed to do. Um, but we haven't really seen any drops in values yep. on our existing residential market. Probably, you know, that's probably across the board really around our yep. areas. Um, however, like with we're talking about the vacant land there, that's probably shown a bit of a reduction in yes. values. It's which, slowed down, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's slowed down um, probably in relation to the you know, higher building costs. So, you, you know, you probably market for newer homes is probably slightly above where where the value's at or where the existing market's at. So that's probably helping the existing market. Yeah, I think so, yeah. As far as resi goes. So, yeah, that's probably where we're at at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. Shepparton traditionally has held its own regardless of um, what the histories we've been through. You might get Mm. the odd case, but usually they hold their own value. Yeah. Yeah, I I find that... um, the lack of land sales and the building costs, the interest rate rises, the cost of everything's going on at the moment. I think that's really helping that that market. Yeah. Um, we're finding that uh, your four fifty to six fifty brackets ticking along yep. pretty well, mm. as long as it's priced correctly. And yep. um, if it's above the seven hundred plus, it sort of needs something a bit of specialty with it. Yep. You have a million dollar property, as long as they're priced right, they're not really impacted that much. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though, like. 450 or less, you, that used to be the sweet spot or the, traditionally the, the first home buyer yeah. investor market. But yeah. because of actual interest rates, that's actually making it harder because the first home buyers are, are sort of jumped yeah. out yeah. And, the, and the investor, until the rentals catch up, they're not interested in investing in, in a yeah. property with the interest rates so high. Yeah. So we're finding that even though it's ticking along okay, it's not really what it should have been where it was probably pre-pandemic, during pandemic time. Yeah, although it's interesting when you look how this area is performing compared to most other regions Mm. in the state that have shown clear reductions in their median house prices, right? right? So Ballarat's, Bendigo's, um, you know, Wodonga's all over over the place. They're 5% to 10% down Down. from the peak of their median price. Now, Shepparton has been holding its own and showing some slight increase. Correct, yeah. So that's unusual. And what we think, we talk about this in the office a fair bit, is it's because of the floods. You know, um, Marutna got really badly hit. Parts of Shepparton and, and some parts of Kyala got hit. Rochester got wiped out, parts of Echuca did. All of a sudden, you take that housing out of the market, there are still people that can't move back into their houses, Mm. still fighting with their insurance companies, still trying to get planning approval to rebuild, all the stuff going on. It's actually rents have increased in Shepparton yes. much more than most other regional areas over the last five months. Yeah. Everyone's trying to rent and there are more people and houses here. Yes. And and that's really underpinning our market a bit unusually. The rest mm. of the state has passed its peak, we say, and yep. just eased back a fraction. Yes. We're hanging in there and, in fact, showing a bit of growth for established houses, which is yeah. which is not how the rest of the state's performing at the moment. Interesting, when the floods were on, um, we had a few homes around that, you know, 400, 300 to 400 bracket all just sitting there. And as soon as the flood, look, we thought, oh, hang on, something's like, you know, if the interest rates have been, as soon as the floods come in, they all just got mopped up. Yeah. Because 
the warehouse to lift people buying it for their friends to move the friends in mm -hmm. or investors yeah. buying in to move you know <clears throat> so all of a sudden that that was a vacuum that picked that up again yeah. you know yeah. that definitely did happen but it's <clears throat> sort of ticking along okay now but mm. yeah. but not what you expect to be and that's obviously the pressures of what has happened to us with um the interest rate rises yeah. and cost of living and the rents will have to catch up and, and even though look I'm, I'm flabbergasted by some of the rent that we are getting at the moment i sort of jumped that quickly for me too i'm going yes. oh, usually i'm pretty good at keeping a tab in the market but it is it's and people are prepared to pay it you know well i have to though they've got yeah. no choice they need shelter unfortunately yeah. Yeah. and and demand is outweighing supply Correct. still and it's always yeah, been that way regardless of ship ship's always been a strong rental market yes it's actually even stronger strong now. now yeah, yeah. yeah. David, your expertise is the industrial commercial world. How's yeah. that state of the market in, in – this would be interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, we've been around the traps for a fair while. Industrial uh, markets in regional areas have traditionally been pretty slow. Yes. They've been pretty thinly traded. Block sales have only yeah. been a couple a year and, you know, you're getting a couple of percent a year growth if you're lucky. And long periods of time in values and rents where it stayed the same, it was pretty Correct. flat. And over the last five years, and especially over the last two or three years, the growth in the industrial market around this area and a lot of other regional areas has been remarkable. Really strong land take-up, strong increases in industrial land prices, genuine rental growth, and what we call yield compression as well. So there an investor buying an industrial property in a regional area for 20 years wanted a 10% return. I was going to say that. There's 10% yeah. return we want. Yeah. And you know what? We're down in the fives and sixes now. So they've halved that yield compression that they, they think it's a good investment and the industrial market stay, is staying very strong. Good quality assets are still very highly sought after. Commercial's pretty mixed. Commercial includes retail and office, basically. Yeah. Retail is a bit all over the place still. Internet retailing is having a big impact on that sort of stuff. And you'll see going around Shepparton, and there's a lot less shops selling things now and a lot more shops offering services. Services, yeah, it, Because that's the people stuff you can't sort of get on the yes. internet. So they're actually, the, the, the retail mix is changing, but retail rents are pretty soft. There's a lot going on in retail. People still aren't sure where it was going um, for a lot of product categories. That's in a state yeah. of flux. Having said that, if you've got an A-grade property with a really good tenant um, and a long lease on it, it's going to make a very good price because people need the investors are still chasing quality assets. Yes. Um, I think it's starting to shake out a bit. Most things made a record price over the last few years. Now the market's discerning so for quality. The better stuff is actually going pretty well. The B-grade stuff and the, and the B-minor stuff has dropped off a fair bit. Yeah. Um, and in terms of office space, it's interesting. There's, there's been some really big new office developments here and some really large sales. Like we've got, mm. some, you know, sales of buildings in the town now, $17, $18 million, yes. low yields. Which, you know, which is unheard of previously. Yeah. Yields in the fives, in the five percents, where, again, they were always eight and a half, sort of nine percent. Yeah. So so who um, are they buy? Just to digress a bit, who, who, who are buying those properties, the big ones, the super funds? Or, yes, yeah, yeah they're, they're, most of those sort of bigger ones are out of the reach of the mum and dad investors, yeah. absolutely. So big buildings with government tenants, long leases, that sort of stuff, you know, five to $15 million sort of price bracket. Yeah, um, yeah they're sort of, they're property funds and investment funds and, you know, um, I suppose investment groups where people can buy shares or buy, yeah. you know, um, get exposure to the property assets through buying into the fund rather than buying into the property directly. Yeah, yeah. it's a great sign for Shepherd, isn't it? You know, like you can write back when the GFC was in Shepherd got hit pretty bad, right? Mm. You wouldn't have thought back in the industrial stuff too that you're talking about, but 
it's that's a, that's really a good sign for Shepparton. I mean, we're growing, the population's growing. You know, that sort of stuff was probably unheard of. You know, right. mate. The thing that sets us apart from, and we're talking, you know, we cover a big footprint. Talking to one of our guys who works in the northeast or the Alpine Valleys and Bright and that sort of stuff. Yesterday, yeah. lovely part of the world, but so heavily reliant on tourism and hospitality, and it comes and goes a fair bit. This area makes things, and you look at the growth in our industrial estate, the yes. land take up, the massive sheds, their big employment hubs, all those sorts of things. People in the past, recent past, can look at Shep and say, you know, the mall's a bit dead, there's some empty shops. That, that's not how Shep works. You have a look at the industrial base and the yes. manufacturing base, it's a powerhouse. It's unbelievable. That's what makes the town hum. Not so much the shops in the main street, which is an important thing to have. Yes. That's not where the action no, is. correct. Mm. So... Uh, what do you put down to the growth in the industrial? Because it's important. Because I've done a lot in the last three or four years, and huge dollars, like a, a bit like the housing market. Mm. I, I couldn't catch take. You couldn't catch up the price values. Like yep. now, the, my advice now, because we've run out of land, right? So yep. we've got no more industrial land. So I'm getting a lot of clients ringing me saying, "I've got this bike. What's to sell it? You know." And I know most bike, bike buyer and seller, and they're doing a private deal. And I'm advising the buyer, listen, you've got no choice, you've got to pay this because there's nothing else coming, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and we've got nothing to buy. Yeah. So what do you put down to – got my opinions. I, I, I think, <laughs> look, the area, you know, the, the strength of the area is still on agriculture and on irrigated agriculture and adding value to that locally. So we've got the big SPCs and Campbell Soups and the, and the Numi, you know, and the milk processing plants, all these sorts of things around the area. They're the big gorillas, but there's a whole ecosystem that supports those businesses. Yep. And they're specialist engineering businesses. There are all sorts of things out there. Agriculture in Australia has had a terrific run over the last five or six years. Brilliant. Exports are really strong. Commodity prices have mostly been pretty good. Yep. Things are going pretty well. People are investing in that agricultural supply chain. That goes into logistics. People need warehouses and depots and they're moving stuff all over the eastern seaboard in ways that they never have before. Um, You know, the the biggest single user of the Port of Melbourne, for argument's sake, um, by sector is the dairy sector. Dairy exports are the single biggest user of the whole Port of Melbourne. (coughs) Amazing, isn't it? And that coming out of here, adding value to it here, getting on the trucks down there. That's unbelievable, yeah. All the things, (coughs) servicing the trucks here, fixing the machinery, building the machinery, investing in the plant, the stainless steel stuff, the whole box and dice in the professional services that support it, the engineering firms, the accounting firms, yeah. the law firms, that's yeah. and that's Incredible. what's driving it. So it's it's largely on the back of the ag boom, but we are really well placed to continue leveraging yeah. exposure to ag here. Isn't that fantastic? Because what my biggest fear was how long is this going to go for? But mm. talking about land development and rezoning, there really is nothing coming along with future... Mm. Industrial land, really. No, no. I found it what bizarre, which was a turn of event, like stuck there for such a long time. It almost contradicted the trend of the smaller the block, the higher the, intri- the higher the square rate per meter. Mm. Industry, we're talking about industrial, mm. um, where the bigger the block, they're still paying the full mm. rate, you know, because they couldn't get it, and they're scared yeah. to miss it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of businesses were, were coming in and sort of selling off little small little factoryettes here and there because they're got and putting it all on the one roof line so they'll buy in the bigger footprint mm. your two acre three acre blocks and they're putting mm. it all on the one roof and they're making it more efficient so they've worked it thought outside the square a bit going well how can we save money by buying more land and putting it on the one roof line so there, there's a mm. bit of that happening yes the land that i was selling um obviously industrial road was in, interesting because that was big land purchases it wasn't just your 2,000 square meter blocks yeah it was your, your two acres your three acres which didn't help 
the supply because that took up a lot of that other yep. um, smaller lots. Which, yes. But also, you know, underpinned those area big employers too, you know. Yep, that's it. And, and I think there's some exciting things ahead of us on the industrial front, on the food processing front, on the egg supply chain front. Um, I, I think um, what I've got a sense of is in the pipeline and people almost getting ready to commit to some significant yes. new developments. Um, you know, hold on to your hat here a little bit in terms yeah, of the industrial stuff in the Golden Valley and in Shepherd and uh, Marupna in particular. Yes. Um, there's some big stuff that's going to start landing over the next six or 12 months. Is that good? Really significant. That's mm. huge. That's what mm. we need to know. Well, that was really, really good. That I really enjoyed that uh, conversation, gentlemen. That was, uh, I reckon that'll be very uh, captivating amongst our audience. I reckon it was terrific. You've got two, two wonderful uh, expert um, in their fields that will probably give you a bit more um, insight in the way uh, and evolves and runs and valuations and, and so forth. But that was really interesting conversation, a bit of a snapshot um, about how Shepparton's going at the moment too, which is, you know, I really enjoyed that. That yeah. was terrific, gentlemen. Likewise. Thank you very much for attending. And Thanks, I hope we'll have you on soon. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Good on you. Yeah, Good thank on you. you. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah. That was great. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss upcoming episodes. We would love you to share this podcast with your network and if you have any questions or feedback, please connect with us via our social network or head to gagliardiscott.com.au.